0: Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to two different places, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and Song of Solomon chapter 7. We're continuing in our series from this day forward. And the idea behind this is that uh, for those of us, as as we get married uh, or even in other relationships, you can get to the point of where you look back at it and you say, we've made some mistakes A marriage hasn't turned out the way that I had thought it might. There's hurt. There's brokenness inside of it. And that may very well be the case for you. I mean, honestly, it's the case for all of us. If you're married, uh, you've known what it's like to have some brokenness inside of marriage. But that doesn't have to continue to define the future for you. Because we can make the decision to say, from this day forward, We're going to live in a new way. From this day forward, we're going to pursue God and what it is that he's called us to in marriage. Because the reality is that 50% of all marriages end in divorce, and for those that stay married, the majority of them are very unhappy. And that's the way that marriage will be if we continue to do the things that we've been doing in the past. If we continue to live the way that the world lives, our marriages are going to look exactly the way that their marriages do. But I think that there are five commitments that we can make that we gain from the Bible that will help to fail-proof our marriage. And we talked about in week one, uh, the first one was that we have to seek God together. We come together, not just me individually, not just my wife individually, but together we're going to make the commitment that first and foremost we are going to seek after Jesus. And when we do that, it draws us together. And hopefully you guys started praying together, you started reading uh, Scripture and kind of discussing what it is that God's laying on your heart through reading the Scripture and drawing together that way. Last week we talked about the commitment to fight fair. Uh, which is a fun one, so I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you missed last week. And this week, we're going to talk about the commitment to have fun. Now, when Anna and I started dating, I remember the first thing, we were just talking about this yesterday. Uh, we met each other at a, an engagement party for a mutual friend, and we didn't think anything of each other whatsoever. There was no spark. There were no, you know, Disney songs going off in the background it was just like, I thought she was a dork and she thought I was a dork, and was probably accurate assumption on both of our parts. And then about five months later, we were at a youth lock-in for the same friends who were involved in a youth ministry, and they invited me to come out and help. And they had this really nasty, disgusting popcorn machine that needed to be cleaned before it was in any way safe to use for producing food that people would consume. And so we're sitting there, and she and I got assigned to go and to clean it. And that was our first real interaction. We're cleaning out this disgusting popcorn machine, and we're having the time of our lives. Like we're just connecting over the smell of burnt popcorn and years of disgusting oil buildup. And it's like this is, that's the moment where they were singing like, Can you feel the love tonight? You know, <laughs> birds and animals are singing and doing stuff. And in that moment, I was like, Oh, my gosh, this girl is so fun. I've never met anyone like her. Oh my gosh, we just connected on so many levels. And something started happening inside of my heart. And we wanted to do more things. And then we started doing other fun things. They were actually fun. Like I go over to her house and they had a four-wheeler and I'd never done that before. So, you know, we're like riding around on the four-wheeler and that was really fun for me. I always wanted her to drive it. And she thought it was because I was just like an awesome guy that wanted her to drive. No, I still wanted to drive. But I found it was better to sit behind them and hold on to them. No, dear, you drive. You go ahead. And we do things like as we started dating, we, I remember we went skiing together. I taught her how to ski, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, taking walks together, uh, watching kung fu flicks together, which I wasn't into, but she liked it, so I liked it. And uh, serving in youth ministry together. We were just doing all of these things together. We were having so much fun. We were connecting. We were sharing experiences. And then we you know, fell in love, got engaged because of that, got married And, uh, you know, we still had fun. But then kids came along. And here's the thing. What drew us together was that we had fun. You don't marry people you don't have fun with. You never meet some girl and say, oh my gosh, I met this guy the other day. We've been hanging out for a couple weeks. He plays video games the whole time and doesn't talk to me. And he's so boring, I think I'm going to marry him. That doesn't happen. Have you ever gone out on a first date, and even though they're a great person, you just don't click? It's not that they're terrible or some character flaw they have. It's just you guys just don't click when you're cleaning the popcorn machine. And so what happens? You don't marry them. But you find that person, you have fun with them, you want to keep hanging out with them, you share experiences, it's a great time, and you end up getting married. And when you're first married, you still have even more fun, and things are great, and you're doing more experiences together, and then the kids can come along. And for us, that was the, the tipping point. Really, it's kind of the combination of careers taking off and children coming into the equation. And uh, the fun stuff we used to do, we didn't do anymore. And that's the way it is for a lot of people. The career comes along, you're putting hours because you're trying to advance. office needs you to come and spend more hours working on a project, so that takes time away from spending time with your spouse. The kids come along, and uh, they take up absolutely any amount of time that you have. They're the vortex for it. They just suck it in like a black hole. And so what happened is we went from being like a dating couple to our our get-togethers, and the time we spent together looked more like a business meeting or like a staff meeting. I was like, all right, so let's get our schedules out. Let's share the wins from this week. Oh, Johnny used the potty. That's great. That's good job there. All right, so we've got the schedules here. Okay, we've got the soccer practice here, and then they've got band practice over there, so I'm going to need you to take them. I'm going to pick up blah, 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 and then, okay, let's break. All right, let's go get this. And that becomes your relationship. It goes from being a romantic relationship to a business relationship. Or sometimes you become roommates. Or the best yet is you become professional nannies. That's what you do. You're the nanny slash chauffeur to your children. And if you're not careful, all of the fun that you used to have together begins to go away. And when that happens, you begin to lose that loving feeling. And I know that doesn't sound spiritual like, you know what, you you need to have fun in your marriage, but really it is a deeply spiritual principle. For you to have a healthy, strong, godly marriage, you need to continue to have fun in your relationship. It's what brought you together was that you had fun together and what's going to keep you guys together is that you come together and you have fun. I used to think that the whole idea behind marriage was God just wants to make me holy and it's the anvil that he's going to you know, bring pain and suffering to me and to produce godly character inside of my life. And that certainly does happen. I'm in no way denying that happens in marriage. But it's also something God created for us to find a lot of fun and a lot of enjoyment inside of. Is it possible for us to have fun? That became the question for Ann and I. It was like, remember we used to have fun? We used to do interesting things. Can we do that again? And the answer is yes. And even more than that, it's the way that we need to have our relationships. It says this in Ecclesiastes 9, 9, Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. And what God is saying here is that there are some days that feel absolutely meaningless. You go to work and you come home. You go to a job you don't like, a place where you're not appreciated, where you just feel like you're wasting your life. There is nothing good that's coming out of this. But he says, but you get to go home to your spouse. And I gave you that spouse to bring you joy into your life. It's a blessing that I've given you. That's God's intent for marriage. That's the way that he created it. It's a reward, it says, for you. For all of your earthly toil, this is a reward for you. So when you go home from work after the meaningless day that you've had, don't continue to make it a meaningless day. Enjoy the reward that God has given you. Come into conformity with what God says he wants for you to experience inside of your marriage. Many people think fun is a luxury. That if you have time for it, you'll get around to doing something fun with your spouse. But it is not a luxury. It is a necessity that you need to have for a strong marriage that's going to beat the odds. A lot of people think, uh, you know, I just don't have time for that. But the reality is, you don't have time to not have fun. Because if you're not having fun in your marriage, then the day may come when you don't have a marriage. And that's just the reality of it. And so there are three types of fun that we're going to look at today that you need to be having inside of your marriage. And the first one is face-to-face. And that's talking about dating. Remember the dating when you got together with them and you go out for romantic dinners. Uh, sometimes a romantic dinner was McDonald's or some other fast food place. Because what made it romantic wasn't the ambiance, the environment, or how much you spent, or how good the food was. What made it romantic is that you were there with them. I think one of our first get-togethers, we did, oh gosh, I can't believe we got married. We did a McDonald's and a Taco Bell. Oh gosh. And that was, but you got no money, and so you eat food like that, and it was terrible. But these were the most meaningful, like, oh my gosh, that was the best date I've ever been on. Because she was there, and it was so perfect, and we're talking, and we're connecting over quesalupas or whatever those terrible things are. And I'm not sure if my stomach's churning from the Taco Bell or because of butterflies, because of how I feel about her, but churning is going on. I remember going home and just being like, oh, she's so perfect. And we're connecting during that. We're having those long conversations. We're closing out McDonald's. Like we go there and order a shake, and we're there for four hours at the booth, and they're just looking at you but you're just lost in time. The time's flying by. And you're learning. You're connecting with each other. And then and it's not just that, but you go home and then you call each other after your date. And you're sitting there on the phone because you're just so connected to them and you're engaging each other through conversation, learning about each other. And then I remember it's like, okay, I, I got to go to bed. It's like 3 a.m. All right. You hang up first. No, you. <laughs> and You guys have all done that. Okay, let's hang up at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. Ah, I didn't do it. I didn't do it either. <laughs> but you remember that, and you're like, oh, this is so perfect. It sounds so stupid now that we've been married 11 years. But that was the time you're just connecting with each other over the phone and over meals. Or we take long walks together, and we just talk together and hold hands. And it's creating intimacy between us emotionally. We're connecting. We're learning about each other. We're having fun. And this is what it says, uh, In Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 1 through 4, that's exactly what's happening in this relationship. It says this, and I'll try to explain because it's some kind of interesting language. He starts out by saying to his lover, How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter! Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hand. Smooth guy, isn't he? Total player. But he's saying, like, even your legs are Beautiful. And then he says, Your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks splendid wine. Which I really don't understand that part. But <laughs> your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. You know what he's saying? It's like, I love your shape. Like, you got a good shape. Girls don't say that to guys. Like, hey, I love your curves. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> I guess it's not as cool on a guy. But he's saying, like, you, everything about you just looks good. And he goes on, Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. And the only thing I can think of about that, he's like, there's two of them. <laughs> God in his goodness didn't just make one, he made two. And he says, Your neck is like an ivory tower. which I guess she's not a lot of a looker, but he's pretty impressed by her. Your eyes are like the pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bath-Rabim. You see, what he's done is he's complimenting her. He's just like trying to emotionally connect with her, build intimacy through that. He's starting out from the feet And he's working his way all the way up to the eyes and that connection there. Just through the conversation, through the dating, he's building that relationship. He's having fun emotionally as they connect with each other. And that's something that we absolutely have to do inside of our relationships. And you have to protect this time when you're doing things like that because if you don't, there are a million other things that are going to put a squeeze on you and make it so that you don't have that time of just talking and emotionally connecting with one another. Ann and I, we have to schedule out time to go on dates. It used to be we'd go on dates whenever we wanted because we had no responsibilities, no kids, whatever. But now that we have kids... Like we have to, hey, can someone, can you please watch my kids? Grandma, grandpa, you know, brothers, sisters, whatever. Person we just met at church, hey, you want to watch our kids? <laughs> because it's so important for us to have fun, that face-to-face time. We have to have it together. We have to continue to build that relationship with each other. And this is what we do. So last Monday, we're out to eat together. And it's just like, just the quiet sitting outside at a restaurant enjoying the time. And one of the questions we like to ask each other is, Hey, what's on your heart? Just let me know what's going on. Or what's on your mind? What are the things that you've been concerned about? What are you thinking through? What are you trying to process through? And it makes us so that we always know what's happening inside of each other. I don't ever want to get to the point of where we don't know each other. And that happens so many times. People say, I don't even know my spouse anymore. How'd that happen? Well, it happened because you weren't taking the time to connect with them anymore. If we're both changing every day, we're going through experiences, we're having encounters that are shaping us and changing us. And if we aren't constantly connecting with each other, then we're going to continue to grow and to change into different people separate from each other. And we'll never even know that's what's happening. So you had to make that time to say we're going to have face-to-face time where we get together and we share what's going on in our lives so that we're aware of it, so we can be praying for it with each other. Uh, Guys, you don't have to give the best advice in the world and try to fix everything. Just listen to what's happening. Just relate to them in that. Just spend time complimenting them again. Like, hey, your navel's like blended wine goblets. (laughs) Whatever it is, whatever the thing is that you can do to build that intimacy, just continue to build that connection. Protect it. Cherish it. It has to be a priority inside of your marriage. Absolutely has to be. So whatever it takes, you might say, I've got a job, I've got kids, whatever else, that's okay. But you know what? Those kids need you to have a strong relationship. They need that because you're modeling to them what marriage looks like. The marriage that you have is the marriage that your children are going to have someday. So if you want your kids to have a great marriage where you're emotionally connected and not distant, then that means that you need to set that example and model that for them. Because you are the greatest example that they will ever have of that. So make it a priority. You must have face-to-face time. And then uh, the second thing is that you have to have side-to-side fun. And what that means is that's like the time where you're hanging out with your best friend. You're doing things together. You're having fun through activities. Uh, in Song of Solomon 7.11, it says this, Come, my beloved, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. So basically what she's saying is, hey, Let's get out for the weekend. Let's go to South Haven. Let's get a bed and breakfast. Let's go walk on the beach. Let's go do something fun. Or let's go skiing. Let's go camping. Whatever it is that you guys enjoy doing, you have to find a way to do that. Uh, And usually what happens is women are a lot bigger on the face-to-face time. That feeds them more. And a lot of times guys are more into the, like, hanging out with your buddy kind of stuff. But you need to make sure that there's balance and that you're meeting both of those needs. Uh, When Anna and I were dating, I remember, uh, like, when we went skiing, she'd never been skiing before, but she knew I loved to ski, so she went skiing to me. I was like, this is awesome. I'm like, this girl, she wants to just, like, hang out with me. She wants to do stuff with me. She played Halo with me. And that's I was like, oh, man, this girl's a keeper. Like, she just wants to have fun with me, and I love that. And then I remember we were married, and I was, uh, like, some of the guys at church, we were playing softball on Thursday nights, and she was like, hey, can I play catch? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I won the lotto. And so we bought her a mitt and we started playing catch in the yard and stuff. And for me, that just fed me so much having something fun to do. But here's the problem for us, guys, is we usually want our wife to come alongside and join us in doing fun things that we like. And we're not so big about wanting to join her in doing the stuff that she likes. But you have to make sure that you're doing that. I had uh, like friends where I was like, my wife wanted me to get a pedicure with her. I'm like, that's awesome. Go do that, like seriously. That way you can try it out and still feel secure about yourself. I'm just here with my wife, you know, I'm feeding her, I'm connecting with her. Or uh, my wife, we do not like to watch the same sort of TV whatsoever. She loves say yes to the dress, which I would think having gone through the experience of shopping for a wedding dress once is enough to scar you for life and never want anything to do with that again. But she loves watching Say Yes to the Dress, which to me is like, oh my gosh, this is the worst show ever. Like, let's celebrate the commercialization and materialism of m- matrimony. Uh, but, like, but what I did, I remember one day, I'm like, okay, I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going to watch Say Yes to the Dress. So, it's like I sat there on the couch next to her, and I held her hand, and she's like the biggest smile in the world. I didn't make snarky comments the whole time as I watched it. I just sat there and kept my mouth shut, and she's like cuddled up to me. and She's just having the time of her life because I'm joining her in doing something that she likes doing. Occasionally, Occasionally, when I'm feeling very saintly, I'll go shopping with her. Which to me is the ultimate evil in the world. It drains my soul. When I go shopping, there's usually the chair at the front of the store, and that, that's like my chair. You go in there, do what you want. i am be sitting here in this chair on my phone. I'll see you in an hour or whatever. But she wants me to go, like, look at it with her and she wants to try stuff on and have me give, I have no fashion advice, whatever, but she wants to know, like, hey, do I look good in this? So I just say yes to everything. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just, like, that feeds her. I'm doing something fun with her. Even though it kills me on the inside, seeing how happy it makes her, oh, that's worth it. And it keeps us so that we're having fun together inside of the relationship. What are you guys doing together? What were the things you used to do when you were dating? Or maybe you're here right now and you're dating or you're single. You need to know when you get into a relationship or the one you're in right now, not only do you need to have those dates, the face-to-face you know, connecting that way time, you got to have things that you love doing. Maybe you guys used to go kayaking or camping or whatever it is. Get out there and do that again. You have to do it. It brings life back into it. It brings passion. It puts a spark back into your relationship. Find that thing. Plan getaways. If you have kids, sometimes you send the kids away. You used to do the stay at home and the kid does a getaway. Whatever it is, but find time to just hang out together and do something that each other enjoys. And you will be amazed at the way that you connect through doing that. And then the third way they need to have fun is what I'm going to just call belly button to belly button. <laughs> fun. <laughs> and... I couldn't think of a better way to put it. And here's the thing. like A lot of people, when you start talking about you know, physical intimacy in church, people get really uncomfortable with that. And it's because it's the most personal thing that there is. But we have to be able to talk about it. I heard this story once about there was this retired doctor, and the church that he went to, they were, uh, had a men's ministry and they wanted him to come and to talk about sex there. It's like he's a retired guy. He's old, been married a long time, and he understands I don't know, like the science, doctoral end of everything. So let's have him come and address the guys on that. So he goes home and he tells his wife, he's like, hey, I'm going to be speaking at this time to the guys. And she's like, oh, what are you talking about? And he's, he's too embarrassed to tell her. He says, I'm going to talk about sailing. She's like, Okay. And so he goes there and he teaches and the guys are blessed by it and they, they love it so much. Like, hey, can you come back and can you teach again? And he's like, okay. And so he goes and he teaches there again. And his wife runs into one of the wives of the guys that was there at the grocery store and she comes up to the doctor's wife and says, wow, like, your husband has just blessed us so much. He's so knowledgeable and just has such a great perspective on it. Like We've been blessed. And thinking that he's been teaching on sailing, She says, you've got to be kidding me. Like what does he know? Like he's only ever done it twice and the first time he threw up and the second time his hat blew off. (laughs) But we feel like uncomfortable talking about that in church. But we're talking about it somewhere. We're talking about it with people outside of the church and we're allowing ourselves and our view of sexuality to be shaped outside of the church. We need to be able to say, I'm willing to blush a little bit or feel a little bit uncomfortable at times to learn what it is that God wants for us in this area of our marriages. And so this is what it says in Song of Solomon, seven, ten through 12. She says to Solomon, I belong to my beloved and his desire is for me. Come to me, my beloved, and let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards. Let us see the vines have budded. If their blossoms have opened and if the pomegranates are in bloom, there I will give my love to you. And that's talking about exactly what you think it's talking about. They're going to make love. That's what this is about. And this is a healthy, godly perspective of it. She's saying, let's go find a romantic place and let's be together. Let's enjoy marriage and everything that God created it to be. And we have to understand that that is a part of marriage. That's a part of what God wants us. He wants us to be fulfilled and to find enjoyment in this area of our lives through marriage. And it even goes on, it gets, like, God gets graphic about this stuff, more graphic than I would ever get. In Proverbs 5, 18-19, it says, May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer, May her breasts satisfy you always. May you be ever intoxicated with her love. He wants us to be intoxicated with the love that we have for each other. That's awesome. That's what God created it to be. We should come to the place of marriage and say, God, I want everything that you have for me in marriage. God, thank you for the blessings that you've given us in marriage. And that's a part that we need to look at the marriages that we're in and say, how is it that we live out the fullest of what it is that God has given us? And so, uh, for the guys, I'll dress you first. Uh, work on your approach. Like you, guys, you know how guys can sexualize absolutely anything and turn it into a pass. Your wife can be like, hey, can you take out the trash? I'm like, I'll take out your trash. <laughs> or honey, can you do the dishes? I'll do your dishes. And, like, I, I don't know if it's ever worked for any of you guys, but my wife is always like, like, you could not look more repulsive. <laughs> there is nothing about that. Or, like, every guy has gone out of the shower once and been like, you want some of this? No, they don't. <laughs> they absolutely do not. you got to work on your approach, guys. See, it's refer- I love us referring to your wife as a graceful doe, a gazelle. Guys, when you go deer hunting, I've never hunted deer, so this is probably a terrible idea. Trying to make an analogy out of this, you don't hunt deer like that. You don't just go out guns blazing in the woods. (laughs) Come here, deer. You want some of this? That's not how you go deer hunting. What's the first thing you do when you want to go deer hunting? You get a license. Number one, because if you don't have a license, you're a poacher. Guys, you need a license. Get married. Because if you aren't married, you're a poacher. And you're taking something that you have no right to, something that belongs to the Lord. I don't want to be held responsible someday for poaching a daughter of the King of all kings. So get a license. And then, number two, guys go out there and they buy expensive guns and ammunition. They go out there and they spend weekends sighting it in. They're putting all this time and money inside of it. Guys, Put some time and money into pursuing your wife. Buy them some gifts. Find out whatever it is they like. Invest in them. Spend time with them. And then they go out there and they like get deer scent to try to cover their own scent. Guys, cover your scent. Wear a deodorant. Get some cool smelling aftershave, whatever it is. You can learn a lot from this. And then they go out there and you're, highly tiptoeing through. You're trying not to disturb them. You're not trying to scare them off. Guys, have that same approach. Be delicate. Be tender with your wife. Don't go out there and scare her off. Learn the way to communicate love to her, not just physically, but learn how to emotionally connect with her first. Spend the time having fun together doing things. And then it will lead you naturally to the place where you're physically free to be intimate with each other. Uh, For women... Uh, make make an approach. Any approach will do. <laughs> Just make a pass. You can literally be like, I'll do your dishes or whatever. Like, all the stupid stuff we've tried to use on you, use that on us. We're stupid. We're the deer that comes up and puts our head against the gun. We're like, shoot me. Shoot me now. We hear you tiptoeing through the woods and we're running out to you. Where am I going with this? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Every now and then I'm talking a lot faster than I'm thinking. <laughs> See, uh, one of the things is like this has been one of the funny things, like women can be so subtle about everything and so romantic that it completely goes over our heads. We have no idea. There's been nights and like started to bring you into this sand up. Like I'll be laying in bed and like I'm falling asleep. She's like, Are you just gonna like leave me here after all I've been trying to do? And I'm like, what are you talking about? what? And she's like, you didn't get all of the hints and everything I've been doing? I'm like, tell me one thing What you were trying to do that like, communicated to me what your intent was. And she's like, well, three years ago, I said that I would like to get a pair of blue shoes. And if you take that and make an anagram with it and then you impose every one of the letters to the Greek alphabet which then lay that over the Mayan calendar, you'll see that on June 17th, this is what I wanted to do. <laughs> I'm like, I had no idea! You just got to, hey, want to make love? Okay, I got that one. Now I understand (laughs) what it is that you're trying to communicate to me. But if you're too subtle and too romantic about it, I will have absolutely no idea what it is that you're trying to do. We're just not that smart. I think you all give us a lot more credit than you should. You have to be very clear about your intent. You have to make it very obvious to us. And here's the thing. As we've been going through these, is these three different ways that we need to have fun, you know, face-to-face, connecting with each other through our words, through the time together, the side to sun, just side-to-side, just doing things together, and then physically through belly button-to-belly button. Gosh, that's the worst one ever. I've got to think of a better title. But these are all needs that we all have in marriage. Every single one of them. This is a part of God's plan for our marriages. But we each have different levels of need for these areas. And that's just the reality of it. I wish that every couple were just had equal desire for every one of these areas at every time, but that's not the reality of it. And what we have to make sure that we're doing is we're meeting each other's needs. Because if, think about this, the only healthy place that you have to connect emotionally with someone is within your marriage, with your spouse. If you go and you begin to form that face-to-face relationship with someone that's not your spouse, that's sin. It leads to divorce. It leads to affairs. It leads to the breakdown and destruction of your marriage. So you need to make sure that you're meeting that need and generally it's more the guys neglecting that. You need to meet your wife's need for that emotional connection. Even when you're not feeling it. Even when it's like, well, we just went out on a date like three months ago. What the heck? I still love her. Do I need to say it again? You need to meet that need or it sets them up because there are every other jerk in the entire world is trying to emotionally connect with your wife. Don't put her in the place of where she has to go seeking that out because it's not being met by you. That's your responsibility. Decide the side fun. You guys need to have fun. Don't make it so you're just having to hang out with other people and never having any fun within your marriage. You need to have activities that you guys do. You need to have getaways because your spouse is the only person that you can experience that with. And when it comes to sex, that's again, it's the only way that that need can be fulfilled was these two people in the context of marriage. And if you're not meeting each other's needs, that doesn't mean the need goes away. And there is never any justification for adultery or for cheating. There absolutely never is. But I want to make sure that in my marriage that I'm not ever putting my wife in the place of where she would have to seek that out from someone else. We have to meet each other's needs. We have to submit to each other. We have to have fun. And some of you are thinking like, my marriage is too far gone. It's we just don't have fun anymore. We don't love each other. We don't have these feelings for each other anymore. We don't like each other even. But this is what it says in Revelation 2, five. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. See, when you, you fell in love with this person, you didn't get married because you hated each other and you had no fun and you weren't attracted to them and you didn't want to emotionally connect with them. You got married because you were finding all of these things in each other. So since it's happened before, I know it can happen again. We had to come to that place of where we repent and get back to doing the things that we first did. Pursuing each other. Loving each other. When we get back to doing the things that we first did, we're going to stir up those same feelings inside of ourselves again. But as long as we don't do that, we're going to continue to drift apart. And even if right now you think your marriage is good, hey, we're, we're stable, we're strong, we're together, we just don't have you know, a lot of fun anymore, your marriage is moving in one of two directions. They're never stagnant. You're either growing closer together and more healthy or you're growing farther apart and getting closer to the marriage falling apart. That's it. So if you're not having fun in your marriage right now, just like if you weren't fighting fair or if you weren't seeking God together, your marriage is moving into a dangerous place. You have to repent of that. You have to change the way that you're thinking. You have to do something new. You have to do something else. You must make it a priority to have fun with each other inside of marriage. And this is what I'm going to close with. This In Matthew 19.26 it says, With God, all things are possible. You might find yourself at that place right now where your marriage is in shambles, or you don't see how there's any way that it could ever be restored. You don't see how things could ever be good again. But this is what Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. With God, it's possible for you to stir up passion for each other and to emotionally connect once again. With God, it's possible to be even more in love and committed to each other than you ever have been before. But it all comes back to God. It doesn't say, based on your best efforts, based on your ability or your wisdom, all things are possible. It takes God. And that has to be the cornerstone and the foundation of your marriage. And it has to be the cornerstone and the foundation of your life. So if you're here today and things haven't been going well, There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of hurt. You don't see how it could ever be good again. You don't see how it could maybe even be healthy for the first time. You need to know that if you seek after Jesus, if you bring him into this equation, if you invite his power, he's able to do it because nothing is impossible for him. And the first step for us in that is surrender. We have to come to the feet of Jesus. And say, God, the way I've been living hasn't been working. I need more than me. I submit myself to you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. I repent today. I give up lordship of my life. I'm not going to try to control it anymore. I'm going to give you authority inside of my life and I'm going to be obedient to you and to the things that you've called me to do even when I don't want to do it, even when I don't understand it and it doesn't make sense. You can trust Jesus because of how great his love is for you and you've experienced that. You've tasted, you've seen his love and because of that, you know that you can trust him. Just saying, Jesus, forgive me. From this day forward, I'm following you. Give me the new life that I receive from you when I receive the Holy Spirit inside of me. God, fill me again with your Holy Spirit. God, breathe new life into me, fresh and new this morning. And God, breathe new life into my marriage. Let's just pray together this morning. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? Would you evaluate our hearts, God? And would you speak to us the thing that you're calling us to? Make it clear to us. This morning, If what God's speaking to you is that you need to surrender your life to him and you need to seek out the new life that he has for you and be forgiven. then this morning, it says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that you will be saved. That's what it takes is making that decision that today, God, I'm going to start living my life following you turning away from all of the old things, embracing the new. This morning, that's you. Make that decision in your heart. If you're here today, you're married and, and you need God to do something inside of your marriage, and even for me, I mean if my wife was up here on the stage, I'd be holding her hand because I want more. I want more of what God has for us. I don't ever want to get to the point where I'm just happy and I stop, but I want more of God in my marriage. I want more fun inside of my marriage. Just grab your spouse's hand. And let's just make this commitment to the Lord this morning together. God, thank you for my spouse. God, they are my reward. They're a gift that you've given me. God, help me to see them in that way change the way that I'm thinking about them. God, would you stir up new passion in my heart for my spouse? And today, God, we commit to honoring you and what you've called us to in our marriage by just committing to have fun. To seek after each other emotionally. And To build intimacy emotionally and physically together. I'm going to make them my priority. God, forgive me for the times that I've let work and children and and even serving in church and everything else get in the way of pursuing my spouse the way that I was supposed to. But God, from this day forward, we're going to pursue you and we're going to pursue each other. God, this morning would you come and do a work in our hearts. Jesus, strengthen our marriages. God, we pray that our marriages would be a reflection of the way that you have loved us and married yourself to us. Jesus, strengthen our marriages. Stir up our hearts for each other. God, will we be a people who are blessed. And God, for every person here that's single or in a relationship, God, would you continue to speak into their hearts and to prepare them for the life that you've called them to. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, we're going to continue to worship this morning. encourage you continue to let God speak to your heart and just celebrate him and what he's done in you.